Um, we're going to jump right into the message, uh, my word this morning. Um, the title of my message is Enduring to the End. And we're into December, all the things that that brings. Um, you know, a lot of times I hear people saying that next year will be better, right? Tomorrow will be better. We need to have the expectation that today is going to be better. And I'm going to tag on to a little bit of what Chloe, I think, said, is that we all have a part to play. That however many of us are sitting here, how many of us are sitting online watching this, again, the body of Christ throughout the world needs all of us to do our part. I mean, can you imagine the little skit that they did, that the machine cranking out the, you know, the people, and one part decided it was done, it was going to go off somewhere else? The machine didn't work anymore. You know, God's got a bigger plan than we see. God's got a bigger plan than a lot of you even maybe want to embrace. But God's plan requires every single one of you. If I were to go around this room and name every single one of you by name, God needs you to be part of his plan. Because what PF has been created to do, I can't do it. AJ can't do it. Kurt can't do it. Jordan can't do it. We need the body of Christ coming together to do what God has created this place to do. And so that's my challenge, my encouragement. I do that a lot with you guys, is we all need to be stepping up to do what God created us to do. And so enduring to the end is the message I have. And when we talk about that, what is the end? I mean, as a Christian, every single one of us, I'm going to make an assumption, and I'm going to go into that a little bit sooner, is I'm going to make an assumption that every single one of you sitting here listening to me right now is a Christian. And so when we talk about the end, as a Christian, there's two possible ends for every one of our lives. Is that we're going to be here when Jesus comes back, his glorious return, or we're going to physically die and enter into his presence. Those are our two ends as Christians. But in the meantime, the enduring part comes on. Until the end comes, however that is, you and I have to endure from here on till that time. And enduring has a lot of different connotations, a lot of different things you can think about it. And I didn't clear this with my wife. I should always do that. But Thursday, um, yeah, Thursday is Pearl Harbor Day, Remembrance Day, one of the many Remembrances Days. I could stand here for a couple minutes and talk about Pearl Harbor. I could probably stay in here for a couple hours and talk to you guys about Pearl Harbor. You would have to endure that. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to you though, but I just wanna use that as a representation of every single one of you is enduring something. Whatever's happening in your life, your family, your job, whatever happens to be, we're all enduring something. And the question we have is, how are we gonna endure that? What are we gonna do until that end comes? And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. See, Jordan was nice to you, and he didn't make you turn to it. Matthew 24, verse 13. Very familiar verse. Jesus is talking, teaching, and he says, But he that shall endure unto the end, 
So there's the title of my message, right? The same shall be saved. Jesus says, but he that shall endure until the end. When Jesus said that, that we have to endure, I'm going to refer back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I skipped over a lot of that portion of the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says to give thanks in everything. And in my Bible, the study Bible I use, the heading to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, instructions for holy living. That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? So when Paul is teaching the Thessalonians in chapter 5 and the title of that section is first or excuse me is instructions for holy living that's going to take a lot of words isn't it to instruct us how to live holy as God has called us to be holy as he is holy Paul's probably going to use some extremely deep theological arguments isn't he 1 Thessalonians 5:18 says give thanks in everything pretty deep theology there isn't it Give thanks in everything. What's that mean? I mean, is it really deep theology right there? Or is it no matter what you're going through, you give thanks for it? You may not understand it. You may not like it. But we're instructed to give thanks in it. It also says to pray without ceasing. Deep theology again, right? Rejoice evermore. So Paul used some of the shortest verses in the entire scripture to instruct us on how to live holy. And so I want you to keep that in mind that those things that Paul instructed the Thessalonians, he instructed us and tie it into what Jesus said. He said, those that endure to the end will be saved. And the things that Jesus talked about us needing to endure are things like people coming in his name to deceive us. Give thanks in that, right? There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines, pestilences, pandemics, earthquakes. They'll deliver you to be afflicted. They'll kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for Christ's name's sake. Many will be offended. There'll be betrayal and hatred. False prophets will arise and deceive many. Iniquity, iniquity will abound and love of many will turn cold. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, that those that endure all of those things you'll be saved through them. So in all those things that he's talking about, how easy is it to give thanks? I mean, you turn on the news report and you hear about the war in you know, Ukraine. You hear about earthquakes. You hear about natural disasters. How is it possible for us to give thanks in those things? How is it possible? Anybody got an answer to that? Eric. It's all. There you go. God has it under control. None of the things that happen in your life surprise him. None of the things that are happening to this country surprise him. And yet we're supposed to give thanks in all things. So how do we endure? By standing fast in Christ. Not taking our eyes off him. Not looking at the situation that surround us. But keeping our eyes on him. How many of you did read Psalm 136? Okay, what happened to the rest of you? <laughs> Psalm 136, it talks about his mercy 
his love endures forever. 26 different times it says his mercy or his love endures forever. And so no matter what you're enduring, what will out endure you? His love and his mercy. Thank God, yeah. An opportunity to thank God that no matter what's happening in our lives, God's love does not stop. God's mercy does not stop short of our endurance. His love and mercy continue on past when we believe we can continue on. And Dorothy had a nice work, homework assignment for all of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is take one, Psalm 136. If you haven't read it, everybody do that later on today. It's 26 verses. It doesn't take long. But Psalm 136 starts out with creation. It starts out, and it gets to a more personal level. And what Dorothy said she's doing, and I think it's a good exercise for all of us to do, is take Psalm 136 and take the first part of the line out, and part B, as you, if you will, is his mercy endures forever, his love endures forever. Write your own story. Make your own Psalm 136. Put your personal life into Psalm 136 and add in his mercy endures forever. So whatever you're going through, put it in Psalm 136. Make it part of your daily prayer. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, who read that one? If you read, if you read 136, hopefully you read Hebrews 12 also. And I just want to very briefly talk about the Greek word for endure. It's hupomeno, and it's used 13 other times in the New Testament. And to endure means to hold one's ground in conflict, to bear up against something, to stand firm, enduring to the end. It's not a passive resignation to fate or, more, or mere patience. It is, and I want to emphasize this next part, enduring is active, energetic resistance to defeat that allows for a calm and brave endurance. So that means that no matter what you're going through, that if you endure in Christ, it's an active, energetic resistance to being defeated. And in that turmoil that may be happening around you that you're enduring, you're gonna be able to have a calm and brave endurance that's gonna draw attention to Christ in you, that people are gonna say, how can you remain calm? How can you keep your head even when the world's blowing up around you. It's only because of Christ. That's our testimony. And in Hebrews chapter 12, turn there please. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm gonna read verses one through four. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds." You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about Jesus enduring the cross for the joy that was set before him. And familiar verse, I'm sure for most of you have read it, lay aside every weight. 
And I just wanted to bring, I was gonna actually bring them in and do a demonstration so we could all get this picture, but um, Mike and Samuel sitting over here. Samuel, do you mind standing up? I didn't, I'm putting Samuel on the spot here. Samuel, you're a runner, aren't you? Yeah. What's the longest run you do? Uh, 11 miles. 11 miles? Yeah. Okay. Would you like me to put some five pound ankle weights on you when you do that? <laughs> All right, you can sit down, Samuel. And just to give the young man some accolades, you know, Samuel qualified for the state cross country meet this last year as a sophomore, so impressive. Again, same question, Samuel. You trained all year long to get to that state meet. Would you like to have run that meet with those five pound weights on your ankles? Okay. Would you train that way? Okay. A lot of runners, a lot of athletes will do that. They'll put extra weight on their body while they're training to condition the body, to prepare it. But when the race is on, you lay aside every weight. You take off those encumbrances so that you can go at your best ability. And what scripture is telling us here is are we running the race that God has set us in encumbered? Do we have weights on ourselves that we're trying to run this race with? If you're running around with sin still in your life, you're weighing yourself down. You're having weights set on yourself that's making it more difficult for you to endure the race that God's put us in. And so the scripture says to lay aside those weights. And that's where if I had them, you know, if I had ankle weights on, I'd bend down, pull the Velcro and drop them aside and I'd feel lighter. I feel like I could run faster. I'm gonna run longer now because I don't have this extra weight bearing down on my body, wearing me out faster. And as Christians, anything that God has not placed in our lives for our good and for the benefit of the kingdom is an encumbrance. It's extra weight that you need to shed. There may be people in your life that are holding you back. The house that Jordan and Kira were at is if those people, after they had given their lives to Christ, continued going back to that house and grabbing the bottle and downing it, they're putting weight back on themselves. They're creating a burden on themselves that God never intended. And so when we recognize that there's things that we've put on ourselves, that the enemies put on us, that our friends are dragging us down with, sometimes you've got to cut those things off. Get rid of them so they no longer weigh you down as you're trying to run the race that God's put inside you to be doing. So looking unto Jesus, verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, looking at him with undivided attention and looking away from all the distractions, and fix your gaze on one object is what looking means. So when it says that in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So why should we fix our undivided attention on Jesus? Because he endured the cross for us. You know, one of the songs we sang today, all hail King Jesus. Why do we hail him? because he chose to give up his, the glory of being in the presence of the Father and Holy Spirit to come down as a baby born in the manger, which we're going to be talking about for the next month to some degree or another. But the important point of him coming and offering himself up as a baby is because he offered himself right there on the cross and said, every single one of you is the reason that he did that. 
And so he endured the cross for that reason. And it says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. Okay. If you've ever seen the Passion of Christ or you've ever heard a teaching on Resurrection Sunday or you know, um, Good Friday, is the cross was not joyful. It was a form of torture. It was painful. It was cruel. I mean, the Romans decided, what's the worst way we can kill somebody? What's the most painful, the most torturous way we can kill somebody? And that's what they subjected Jesus to. But he did it because he loved us. So what are you enduring? What do you, you know, as you run this race, the life that you're living right now, Jesus endured the cross so that we could run the race with confidence. So we could run the race and identify the things we need to cast off of ourselves to free ourselves to do what he's called us to do in a stronger way, a more beautiful way. So the joy that Jesus saw was not the cross itself. It's what he saw on the other side of the cross. What was on the other side of the cross was glory. On the other side of the cross, when he came into resurrection, was a renewed fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But that's not the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him after the cross was us. It was our salvation as lost sheep that needed a sacrificial shepherd to bring us back into right relationship. So the joy that was set before Jesus that allowed him, that caused him to endure the cross, was every single one of you. When you look in the mirror later, remind yourself that that's the joy that Jesus saw. When he was looking at this thing, when he was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, what he was seeing was your face. And I'm gonna endure all that that thing entails all the suffering, the torture that I'm going to have to go through, I'm going to do it, I'm going to endure it because your face is before him. Is that a sobering thought? That's a glorious thought. That he gave up all that he had, perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and said, you are worth it. I'm going to give up all of perfection, the harmony that we had, and I'm going to lay down my life to bring you back into the fellowship with the king. So as we meet here today, one thing that we can be thankful for is that God put us in a country that we have so many freedoms. Amen. And I'm not going to get into the, you know, the current state of our country. It doesn't matter what the state of the country is right now. Is Jesus still on the throne? Are we still alive and breathing because he has a plan and a purpose for our life? It doesn't matter what's happening out in the world. We need to be aware of it. But until he calls us home, this country and the turmoil it's in are part of his plan and purpose. Can we deny that? Do we like it? I don't. I mean, I'm not that old. But the things that I've seen change in my lifetime, I can't believe it. But if I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, what's happening out there should not affect me. It should not cause me to despair, to cause me to think that I need to move to Liechtenstein 
Right, Ann? God placed us here. And until he tells you anything different, this is where you're to be. So what are you enduring as you run through this life? And I mean, every single one of you, I asked you right now, what's the worst thing happening in your life right now? That's something that you're enduring. You know, do you have an unfaithful husband, an unfaithful spouse? Do you have a rebellious child in your life? Are you anticipating or, or enduring the arrival of a newborn child? Are you anticipating a wedding day? Are you in a job that doesn't fulfill you? Do you have an unhealthy family situation? Do you have a personal life that's in turmoil? Are you struggling with who you are? We're all enduring something, but are we enduring it with the love of Christ at the forefront of our mind? Because it doesn't matter, and again, I say this you know, with a slight grain of salt, it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you have Christ in your life, you can bear it. You can stand in strong resistance to defeat. Active, energetic resistance to defeat in Christ. In my own power, in my own strength, not happening. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough to stand against the things that Satan wants to do to destroy my life. But in Christ, we can stand against anything. Is that true? So as long as we're alive in this body, enduring is required. Active, energetic resistance to defeat. And I'm going to reread Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, sin, encumbrance, and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, because you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So it's easy for me to stand up here and to say to endure. I don't know what you guys are going through. Some of you do, some of you I do not. But if we're honest with each other, every single one of you, because you're still alive, you're enduring something. You have something happening in your life that you would rather that was not there. We, we agreement on that? Or does everybody in here have a perfect life? No turmoil, no tribulations at all. If you do, you're a liar. I'll be blunt. Because scripture says that if you follow after Christ, the same things that he endured as we follow after him, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to experience the same things he did. And he experienced tribulation. He experienced persecution. People lied about him. People hated him because he convicted them of the sins in their life. So if Jesus went through it, why do we expect that we would be any different? So it's easy for me to stand up here and say, just endure. Just hold on one more day. And that's all Christ is telling you, is don't worry about 26 days from now. Endure today. Be strong today in Christ 
And tomorrow, his mercies and his love are renewed then. So I have seven keys that I'm going to share with you to endure to the end. So if you want to take notes, um, seven keys to enduring to the end. The first one, and again, I'm making the assumption, is you have to have the salvation of Jesus Christ to start with. You cannot endure to the end in Christ if you're not in Christ. Pretty simple logic, right? So if there is anybody sitting in this room that does not know the love of Jesus Christ as, his, as your Lord and Savior, we need to take care of that today. So if that is you, at the end when we're all done here, we're going to have some time altar ministry. If that is you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to come take care of that today. You know, today is the day of salvation. The second key is to make Jesus Lord of your life. They're not the same things. The first one, accepting Jesus as your Savior, is the first step. But you can accept Jesus as your Savior, but not make him Lord of your life. To make Jesus Lord of your life means that you're sacrificing all the things of yourself, all your desires, all your own plans and agendas, and you're saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. You tell me what to do. So you take your desires, your plans, and your burdens, and you lay them down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, you take them. Show me why you created me. And that's a bold statement to be able to say, Jesus, you show me why the Father created me. We were created for his purpose, so why don't we ask him what his purpose is instead of just trying to figure it out on our own. So make Jesus Lord of your life. The third key is to offer yourself that living sacrifice. In Romans 12:1, it says to offer yourself a living sacrifice. It's our reasonable act of worship. And what that means is you take all of who you are, you know, every part of your physical being, every part of your mental, soulish being, and you say, Jesus, they're yours. That means all your fears, all your weaknesses, all your strengths, you lay them down at the cross and say, they're yours. That apart from you, they're worthless. So make yourself a living sacrifice. The fourth key is to renew your mind. Have the mind of Christ. In Romans 12, 2, the next verse says to renew your mind. Do not be conformed to the world, but renew your mind in Christ. Because if we continue thinking like the fleshly person that we are, we're going to miss it. We're going to be tempted. We're going to be drawn away by temptation. So we need to renew our minds so we think like Christ does. We need to have the heart of God. So when we say we're going to pray, we're going to lay our desires down, we're going to think like God, we're going to act like God, it's a process of renewing this thing up here so that it's no longer our thoughts and our desires that are preeminent, but it's the things of God that are going to be forefront. The fifth key is to not forsake gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, is this is something I was very guilty of, is it's easy for me to want to just be off in the mountains by myself, exploring time to myself and just communing with God. We make it sound so spiritual. <laughs> we are told not to forsake the gathering together and that's not just talking about Sunday mornings when we're all here together. This is an important part of our Christian walk. 
but we need to be getting together outside of these walls on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, because it's when we come together that we can strengthen each other, that we get to know who each other are, because how can I speak into your life a word of encouragement if I don't know you need encouraged? How can I help you bear the burdens that you're trying to endure for one more day if I don't know what you're bearing right now? We can only do that when we spend a little bit of time with each other and get to know each other so that we can be together like a band of brothers, band of sisters, where we've got each other's backs. And it's not to say we're gonna just coddle each other and pretend like there's nothing wrong and just, oh, you'll be fine. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to look out for each other, and if we see a brother or sister in sin, is to call them out on it. Not to humiliate them, or to make light of it, but to say, the body of Christ needs you to be as healthy as you possibly can be. If I'm drinking a fifth of gin every Sunday morning before I come in here, how effective am I gonna be? How solid is my testimony gonna be? I mean, that's an obvious one. But what other sins are we embracing and allowing to continue into our lives and we ignore each other? Do not forsake the gathering together. The sixth key is meditate on his word. Read it. Memorize it. Psalm 1 says that meditate on his word day and night. And the Hebrew word here, meditate, is a word similar to when they talk about a cow ruminating. How many, how many stomachs does a cow have? More than one. And a cow will take in the hay, the grasses, and it'll chew on it for a while, and it'll put it in the first stomach, and then it'll bring it to another stomach. It literally ruminates or meditates that food until it's fully processed and it's got the most nutrition that it can possibly get out of it. So when it tells us to meditate on the word, it doesn't just say read and that burned with fire. All right. I just looked at the first verse that came into my eyes there. Doesn't mean a whole lot to me right there. But if that's a verse that God wants me to get something out of, I need to keep rereading it reflecting on it, meditating on it, asking God to tear it apart until I've got all the benefit out of it that I can possibly get for this time. So we need to meditate on the word. We have to read it. And, you know, as a doctor, you know, I use this analogy frequently in my own office and the classes that we run is how many of you eat one meal a week? Anybody? Does anybody eat one meal a day? Or do we eat three, four, six, seven? Okay. If all of us decided, let's, let's start a new trend here, people. We're only going to eat one meal a week starting January 1. Okay? One meal a week. How healthy are you going to be? You're going to be weak. You're going to be angry. You're not going to be very fun to be around. So if that's how well we take care of our physical body, how well do we need to take care of our spiritual body? If you only eat the word once a week on Sunday, how healthy are you the rest of the week? So don't wait until next Sunday to be in the word. You need to do it every single day. 
six, seven helpings a day. Sing psalms to yourself. Recite scriptures. Put them on your mirror. You know, Dorothy's, I'm going to blame this on Dorothy. Do Dorothy's homework for you. Psalm 136, rewrite Psalm 136 so it's personalized to your life. That's going to help you grow in Christ. That's going to give you the strength to endure. And then the last key that I wanted to share is the seventh key is give thanks in everything. Psalm, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything. The good things, the bad things, Paul and Silas, classic example. Proclaiming the gospel doing God's work, and they get beaten and thrown in jail for it. Yet, in the midst of the prison, in the midst of being chained to the walls in this dark, probably dingy place, they started singing praise in spite of where they were at. They gave thanks to God that they were seen worthy to be imprisoned for the gospel. So give thanks in everything, whether you want to or not. It's an attitude. When you read Psalm 136, 26 times it says, His love or His mercy endures forever. His love for us endures. So, as we end this morning, AJ, come on up if you would. Um, we're going to open the altar up that as I've been speaking and been talking about enduring, and again, we know every single one of us, because we're honest, you're enduring something. If you don't have a relationship with Christ or if you want to deepen your relationship with Christ and you want to make an effort, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to ask the different people that are going to be part of the prayer team this morning to come up front. It's in Christ that we can do this. It's only in Christ that we can do this every single day. Hold our heads up and know that no matter what the life that we're leaving, leading right now looks like, in Christ we can overcome it. We can endure it. So if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, please come forward. If you need prayer for healing, if your family members are prodigals, are rebellious, and you would like prayer for that, if you want prayer to have the strength to endure to the end, this is the time to do it. And so those of you that want to come forward for prayer, do that. I'm going to end us in prayer and everybody else may leave, um, but endure in Christ. Don't just leave and go through your normal daily routines. Let's start doing things in a way that's edifying to the body, that's pleasing to our creator and shows the world that there's something different. There's something peculiar about us, that we're not just normal Christians they're going to walk on by, but that we're going to step out in faith to those that God directs us to. So if everybody would stand, please, we're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we hail you as our creator. You're our provider. You're our protector. You're our savior. We give you glory for all that you do and that you say. Thank you for all that gather here today that call upon your name. Breathe into us, Lord, an inspiration of truth and love that we will not continue looking at our circumstances, that we will not 
be in despair, depression, or just even struggling with the things that are burdening us right now, the, the burdens that we're carrying, Lord, just give us the strength, the motivation to lay them down, to say that we don't need to carry them anymore, that this weight that so easily drags us down, that we will not leave here with that today. give you the glory and the honor and all that we do and that we say in your name. Amen. So if you want prayer, please come forwards. The rest of you have a blessed day. We'll see you soon.